Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Yeah. I let Coach Sumlin, yeah. I let the stoop. The entire first half, we got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money, and all we wanted to do was have pouty expressions on our face. Hello, and welcome to the Around the 12 podcast. My name is Tanner Price, and I'm here with my co host, Greg Hockert. Greg, did you uh, thaw out from this weekend? <laughs> you were outside for quite a while. Yeah. Um, no, we, we, we certainly warmed up. Um, I, it was a brutal weekend weather wise, um, across the, across the conference, unless you, um, unless you were in, uh, Orlando, um, they, you know, they, they, they typically don't get, um, 38, 39 degrees and, and, and yeah, that was that was tough to sit through. We, my father-in-law, we made it to the first half. Um, the game was pretty ugly. If it was just me, I would I would have for sure stayed. Um, but I, I I felt I felt bad. I felt like he was doing <laughs> me a favor by joining me at the game because nobody else wanted to go with me. I I put so much thought into trying to figure out who to invite and. Either people were out of town because of Thanksgiving or they were like, nah, I'm not messing with that weather. Uh, so my father-in-law went and I felt like I owed it to him to to not make him sit through it. So we went to a brewery, Tanner, and had some beers and watched Oklahoma State come back. So I'd say that was the second best place to watch the game from. Nice, nice. Yeah, I was, uh, I was frozen, um, but nothing a good comeback win can't do for you. Um, that's all I have to say. Okay. Well, Greg, should we uh should we talk about our locks of the week and then jump into recapping these uh the final week of the regular season? Yeah, I, I suppose we can talk locks. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm man, I I went against my I I found when I when I stray outside of Kansas, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, I I don't I don't do too good. Um West Virginia I need to remember them for next year. They they have gotten me two out of my five misses. Um, they won the game, and and we can talk about that later. They they did beat Baylor, but they did not cover the eight and a half. And Tanner, that line jumped all the way up to like twelve by before kickoff. So it, that it started at six and a half. I was so ready to jump on that. Then we recorded last week. It had jumped to eight and a half. Then it moved all, all the way to 12 or 12 and a half. None of, none of those covered. Baylor covered regardless of what number you got there because um, West Virginia only won by three. So I think I was nine and five on the year. So pr- pretty, pretty solid. Um, I will say I was hoping to get to that double digit. You know, <laughs> the 10 and four would have been a little bit nicer. But um, when Oklahoma State makes the conference championship game, Nothing else matters. I, I I don't care. I mean, lock of the week, forget about it. Fantasy, uh, if I lose, it's okay. Oklahoma State won. That's the thing that trumps all. So you, however, um, kind of did the opposite of me and had a really strong end to the year and ended up uh, an even seven and seven. After I started, I, I was like, what, three and six? Yeah, I was pretty bad. <laughs> then I finished. I finished on a nice four and one. Uh, last five weeks so that that wasn't bad but kansas was definitely the move this last weekend 
Um, I think they were, it was a six and a half, six and a half point spread. And they ended up winning by 33. So <laughs> <laughs> easy cover there. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a solid, solid week. Could have had a, a much better season for my locks, but it happens sometimes, you know, maybe next year. Yep. Maybe next year. Okay, Greg, I think that we should probably start talking about these matchups that we had. Uh, Black Friday games, honestly, pretty pretty ugly. I do think that in the first game of the weekend, we had TCU visiting Oklahoma. Um, this, in the first quarter, reminded me of, what what was it, 2017? 16. 2016, Texas Tech versus OU. That was uh, Baker Mayfield was still the quarterback at OU, and Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback at Texas Tech. The first quarter reminded me of that game. It was just back and forth, scoring touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Um, but eventually, Oklahoma was able to pull away, still giving up 45 points, though, which not great uh, for a top 15 defense to give up 45 points. But on the other hand, to score 69 points was pretty impressive as well. I, I do have to say I was surprised, shocked even, that they decided to play Dylan Gabriel. I understand that you had to win to even have a chance at making the Big 12 championship game. But it was, seemed pretty clear that he had a concussion last week against BYU. And they threw him back out on the field with five days of rest. So that was interesting to me. What are your thoughts on this one, Greg? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if they confirmed he ever had a concussion. I, I would hope that, you know, had he had a concussion, especially with his history, and I don't know how far that would date back, but I remember vividly him having a concussion last year when they played TCU. So I would I would hope that it wasn't as bad as, as we originally assumed. Uh, maybe they took him out last week more for precaution, but – uh, yeah, I mean, the, w- when you sent me that text that it reminded you of the 2016 Texas Tech OU game, I was kind of like, hmm, that's that's a little crazy. And then the teams kept scoring and scoring and scoring. I was like, all right, he may be onto something here. Um, wasn't necessarily as close as that as the Tech OU game was from from years ago. Um, but TCU did they they tried to make it interesting. They were right in it. Um, really. Almost the entirety of the first half and then maybe towards the end of the second quarter, OU started to pull away a little bit. But uh, Tanner, for all the complaining that that Sooner fans have done about officiating for what seems like two or three years now, uh, they got an absolute gift handed to them um, when TCU had a lot of momentum. Um, They had just scored, I believe. And OU gets the ball back. Uh, Dylan Gabriel throws. Uh, it was essentially like a seam post route. And receive, I don't even remember what receiver it was. They catch it, take two or three steps. It was, Nick, T- it was Nick Anderson. TCU safety laid a perfect hit, knocked the ball loose, and then they called it incomplete. Um, and OU ended up scoring, uh, I believe, two plays later, two or three plays later. So um not saying that would have changed the outcome of the game i just wanted to point that out because i am tired of hearing about officiating and how poor it's been this whole year these are call it, it, it officials at any level people are going to disagree with but the, the level of complaining that i've heard from ou and texas fans is just absurd it's 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 time to put an end to that and i 
I'm honestly thankful that they're that this is it. They're leaving. They're leaving for the SEC because I'd love to see them complain about the officials in the SEC and figure out how there's some personal bias against them and being the newcomers or something like that. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see all the gymnastics that they're gonna do to to try to explain away an eight and four, seven and five season that they are inevitably heading towards next year. Okay, next, Greg, let's let's just quickly, re- very, very, really, very quickly, <laughs> and I mean very quickly, talk about Texas whooping up on Texas Tech. Um, they, Texas wins by 50. Kind of the matchup that I was that I was talking about last week. Texas's run defense versus Tech's running offense. Uh, you can obviously tell who got the better of which from this game. But I do have to say, Todd Brooks still played decently. I don't I don't have his exact exact stats pulled up, but he he rushed the ball effectively. But Texas's defense is just too much to overcome for Tech, and that's basically what it came down to. Baron Morton had a tough day. He threw 36 passes, completed 19 of them for 88 yards. So if you're doing the math at home, that's uh, less than two and a half yards per completion. Uh, And he also threw three picks. So really, (laughs) really, really tough day for Baron Morton. Um, We've been I've been at least talking him up all year. Um, and I still think he's a he's a really good young player with a lot of potential. Um, he just ran into what is probably Texas's best defense um, since I can honestly remember. Um, and and that should be saying something. I mean, I've been I can remember watching Texas from when I was very young, even back in those Colt McCoy, Vince Young type days. It was more um, centered around what the offense can do. Um, what their, you know, Heisman level or Heisman winning quarterback can do. Um, whereas as in in this case, uh, obviously they have capability of putting up a lot of points, but um, they are very reliant upon their defense that is full of future NFL prospects. Yes, absolutely. But Texas did what they needed to do. They won their game. So uh, Black Friday evening, they locked into a Big 12 championship spot um, as Oklahoma. They didn't lock themselves in, but they gave themselves a shot. They won the game. That's that's all that they were able to do, and they had to hope for some craziness to happen on Saturday. Before we get into the other contenders for the Big 12 championship game that we all know now, it's going to be Texas and Oklahoma State, but let's talk about the UCF-Houston game. Greg, this was probably the game with the best weather all weekend, like you mentioned beforehand, and UCF Pulls out a win, 27 to 13, and I do believe that this left uh, UCF, or excuse me, it made UCF bowl eligible after this game. Maybe, maybe it was uh, a week yes, or two no, before that. Yes, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, so this was a this was a big game for UCF being able to be bowl eligible in their first year in the Big 12. Uh, I did not think that UCF would be the best newcomer, but they have proven that. They were the best newcomer this year, I think, from this game. Uh, the only new, the only newcomer to become bowl eligible in their first year. So, con- congrats to UCF there. Um, I didn't really have a lot on this game, other than it was one decent team against one really bad team. 
And I think the main takeaway from this game is that Dana Holgerson is no longer the head coach at Houston. That is, to me, that's that's the biggest thing to come out of this game. And yeah, absolutely. Houston had a pretty pretty subpar year, although I will say I think um, I believe they went six and six or seven and five in the regular season last year in the American. So. I feel like going six and six in the American is about equivalent to going four and eight in the Power Five conference. I, I'm like I'm just being honest. You know, you're not going to get, um, you know, you're you're, you're no longer playing uh, Memphis or um, Florida Atlantic or Rice. Yeah, well, actually, they did play Rice and they lost, but <laughs> that's true, they did. Um, but the uh, yeah, like you said, Santa, main takeaway: Dana Holgerson's gone. Um, I think it's probably for the best. Um, they have, uh, I know they have been interviewing a handful of candidates. The two names I have seen. Um, yeah, I'm interested uh, to see who you say, because I've also heard an interesting name. So I, 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 the one that I think they should go after, um, and I, I believe they are, is Jeff Trailer from UTSA. It's a really, really good young coach. Um, you might be thinking, hmm, UTSA to Houston, is that an upgrade? Is it more of a lateral move? Um, from what I've heard, not from any personal connections, but just from what I've heard, UTSA does not have the same commitment to football that Houston does. Houston is in a Power 5 conference. UTSA is in the American. Uh, Houston has its own football stadium. UTSA continues to play in the Alamo Dome. Again, great stadium, but it is off-campus kind of takes away that college atmosphere and, and they don't have the same uh, resources uh, that, that Houston might. So um, that could be an interesting name um, for, for Houston. And then the other one, Tanner, let me know if this is the same one you're, you're, you're seeing is Cliff Kingsbury. Yes, sir. I think this would be really, really interesting. I don't know what his likelihood of taking this job. I, I, do we think he wants to be a head coach again in college? I, I wouldn't be shocked because I think his idea is that as a head coach in college football, you're essentially the general manager. You offer scholarships. You say who, who you want, who you don't want. You get to decide who is on your team. While he was the coach of the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL, you don't necessarily have – that freedom and the ability, unless you're Bill Belichick or somebody along those lines, an established NFL coach, you don't have the opportunity and the ability to run the team maybe exactly how you would like because you don't have the players you think would fit your system the best. Now, that could be a relationship between the coach and the general manager issue. Um, but as a college coach, I think that you have the ability. You have free and full reign over your team. And I also think that Houston is a hotbed of athletics. Like, maybe not the greatest athletes of all time, but Houston has some very, very good athletes come out of there almost every year. And so if you can recruit in their hometown, that is that is exactly what families are looking for, like parents of players. So I think that this, that this could be a very, very interesting hire. And he's also coming back to a conference that he knows very well because he was the former coach at Texas Tech. Do we think that he would have success there? I'm not convinced he would. I I don't know if he would have success. Do I think 
he would do better than Dana? Maybe. He is a younger coach. He might connect better with his players. Um, I mean, he, not, he he has the the you know he has the he'll he'll be able to recruit offense. I mean, he's an offensive minded coach. He's coached Johnny Manziel. He's coached Patrick Mahomes. He's coached Kyler Murray in the pros. He's he also, been an analyst. He, also rec- he recruited uh, Baker at Tech. Recru- recruited Baker. He's been an analyst at USC for the last year since he got fired from the Cardinals, presumably helping out Caleb Williams. He's been around some of the hottest and best quarterback names uh, in, in, in the sport. Um, so I have no uh, doubt that he would be able to get a pretty, you know, a stud quarterback, um, which can win you some games for sure. Uh, but as we've kind of seen with, with Lincoln Riley at USC, um, there's a there's a cap to that. Um, and there comes a time when uh, you, you need a, a, a much more balanced, well-rounded team. Um, and I'm just not sure that he's going to be able to give Houston what Jeff Trailer could give Houston a given time. Um, that's my personal opinion. Um, but Cliff Kingsbury is certainly more of the splashy hire. It's going to make the headlines. Um, you'll probably be able to recruit the portal really well because, like you mentioned, Tanner, Houston is a hotbed for football, high school football. However, most of their top prospects are leaving, going to LSU, Texas, Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia. They're not looking to necessarily maybe stay in in-house. I mean, maybe some of the, the three-star-ish prospects. But what you can do with that is some of these players go to the Alabamas and the LSUs and the Georgias. And, you know, maybe they don't see the field for a couple of years. They're looking for a fresh start. They may be wanting to get back closer to home. Insert Cliff Kingsbury at Houston. Um, yep. So that's kind of what I think he could he could really help with is recruiting the portal. But um, uh, we 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 can move we can move on and maybe talk more about um, that if and when he gets hired or when they make their decision, which I'm assuming will probably be very soon, being that uh, the portal opens here in well, it's already open for graduate transfers. Um, uh, students that are players that have graduated college um, are eligible to enter, but it will enter. For, it will open for everyone here, I believe, on December 4th. So um, after all th- the conference championship games have been finished, yes. it allows yes. everybody to make their decision. Um, Okie doke, Greg. Let's go ahead and talk about the afternoon game from Saturday. BYU comes into Stillwater and. Greg, we got we got good by BYU. I I mean ultimately we got really good BYU. Jake Jake Retzlaff in the first first half played very well. He dropped a couple a uh, couple bombs. He was able to run the ball really well. BYU's defense forced uh, a pick six. It was it was a picture perfect first half for BYU. They were up twenty four to six going into halftime. And keep in mind everybody the the weather here was like. Anywhere mid thirties and drizzling the entire game. And then sure enough, Oklahoma State comes out in the second half and really controls the second half, gives up only gives up a field goal the entire the entire second half, and then it goes to overtime and Oklahoma State is essentially able to outlast BYU, forces a turnover and double overtime, and Oklahoma State wins it forty to thirty four. Greg, what was your uh 
What was your big takeaway from this game? BYU came out and played this game like they had absolutely nothing to lose. They were playing for a bowl game, and and they pulled out. I mean, they threw, uh, they threw the kitchen sink at Oklahoma State, whereas Oklahoma State was seemingly a little a little timid, a little bit more conservative. Um, was not uh, just just didn't have the same, I think, energy that they had really played with most of the year, um, and it, and it cost them. They didn't play. There, there were a couple of plays that made the difference in the first half and made the halftime score what it was. It was an Allen Bowman pick six, a uh, a couple of third down stops by BYU that forced Oklahoma State to kick field goals instead of scoring touchdowns early, and then a uh, fake punt that ended up being converted for, I don't know, they went for 30 or 35 yards, and BYU got an additional field goal before halftime. So those couple of plays right there made the score uh, to appear to be what it was. If you just look at the at the at the team box score, not not the individual player box score. If you just look at the at, at the team total stats, you would have thought this game was a blowout. First downs, Oklahoma State doubled BYU, 28 to 14. Total yards, Oklahoma State 503, BYU 327. Almost 200 more total yards. Turnovers even, penalties essentially even. Time of possession, Oklahoma State 34 minutes, 30 seconds. BYU 25 minutes, 30 seconds. Tanner, it is shocking to me that BYU was looking at that. It it, Obviously, it, it takes away from certain situational play calls, um, maybe some, I don't want to say lucky, but for, maybe fortunate, um, you know, tip drill, you know, there was an interception BYU had in, in the second half. So to me, this just encapsulates Oklahoma State's season in that they come out, they look pretty good in the first two, two or three drives, and then things go downhill and they go downhill fast. And then they come out of halftime and they fight back, they claw their way back, and then they end up winning. Um, just it, it was a really wild game to watch. Um, and, I, and I'd love to get your thoughts on on everything I just said. But the last thing I'll end with is uh, how perfect is it that OU fans, knowing that they needed BYU to win this game <laughs> and they were in the conference title, sat through a probably four, four and a half hour Oklahoma State game that goes into double overtime just to watch Ollie Gordon clutch up and score his fifth touchdown of the game. And then OSU's defense forced that final turnover to end the game to keep them out of the conference championship. Just picture perfect. It, it really was. Um, there was a lot that happened in this game. And ultimately, this game might not have even gone into overtime if Oklahoma State doesn't get their PAT blocked after they score a touchdown with a minute left, I believe, just under a minute left. It, yeah, it was like 35 seconds left. And BYU, to be to for full clarity, you know, Jake Retzlaff, he, he played a decent game. BYU clearly wanted to run the ball. He was 14 to 30. He didn't even throw – he didn't even have a 50% completion percentage, did not throw a touchdown. He had one or two really good throws in this game. Outside of that, he was well below average. They did not want to throw the ball down the field with him. 
Yes, they did not. It it was exciting. Um, all I gotta say is that I have I had confidence in my pokes. Uh, at halftime, they were plus three hundred money line, and I doubled down. I said the Cowboys are gonna do it, and I won myself a little bit of money. Nothing crazy, um, <laughs> but but it was it was a good time. I'm glad I was able to go to the game, and I believe that Ollie Gordon submitted cemented himself as a Doak Walk Doak Walker Award winner. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, the finalists were announced today. He joins North Carolina's running back and Missouri's running back. I don't remember their names off the top of my head, but he has more yards and more touchdowns. Um, on the ground than either of those two running backs do. So I I do believe that he has submitted himself as the uh, Doak Walker award winner for this year. Okay, Greg, let's, let's go ahead and talk about the blowout of the, the evening games. Kansas goes into Cincinnati and we kind of touched on this earlier, but they, they blow out Cincinnati. They win by 33 points. There's really not much to talk about here. Jason, Jason Bean Jason Bean was back. Jason Healthy. Bean was back. Healthy. Um I I think your point from last week still remains. I think that Luke Fickle and Cincinnati both just need to apologize to each other and just make a <laughs> just reunite because I think that would be better. Uh or the best thing for both for both parties. Um Kansas is gonna be dangerous. They're going to be dangerous next year if Jalen Daniels can stay healthy, which obviously that's a big if. That's probably less than 50% he stays healthy. But um, oh what Jason gosh. Bean was able to do this year, knowing that, again, he is, he is a very good college quarterback, Jalen Daniels brings another uh, dimension in that he's a, he's, he's a little bit better of a passer. Um, I, I just – I'm excited for kind of the, the future uh, of Kansas. And, and I don't know who all they have returning defensively on the offensive line. I know they had a ton of returning starters this year. One would think that would mean they probably lose a few guys this year. But with Jalen Daniels coming back, um, I mean, this was just an insane game from from it, it, it perfectly. This is exactly what Kansas wants to do. They were, they were able to limit Cincinnati, obviously, defensively. Um, only gave up 16 points in Montana. They, they, they just ran the ball down their throat, almost averaged 10 yards of carry Devin Neal, 10 carries, 106 yards, two touchdowns. And then their, and then <laughs> their quarterback, their, their quarterback, Jason Bean, four carries, 90 yards, two touchdowns <laughs> to go along with his 250 passing yards and two touchdowns, uh, throwing through the air. So, uh, I, I'm, I, I really like what Kansas did this year. I think a lot of people, including myself was kind of wondering if last year was fluky. Um, you know, they, they, they caught a couple of wins in the middle of the season, beginning middle of the season, then things went downhill for them and they, you know, finished six and six lost to Arkansas in the bowl game. Uh, I'm going to be really excited to see um, Kansas in a bowl game this year. I, I hope they get a, like a, a, a good solid, you know, fun matchup. I want to see them go up against, you know, a Big Ten, an SEC team, a Pac-12 team even for that matter, because um, I, I think Kansas will do a very good job representing the conference this bowl season. I, I feel confident. I can I can already feel it, Tanner, my lock of the week for those for those bowl seasons. I'm, I'm already cooking up a Kansas lock. I can just feel I it. I love it. I love to hear it, Greg. I I'm I'm excited to see who they get in their bowl game. 
sad to say that Cincinnati finishes three and nine in their first uh, year in the Big 12. I think that they had one conference win. I think they went two and one in non-con, and then what would that be one and eight in conference? They were they so, beat they beat Houston a couple of weeks ago. Tough first year in the conference for Cincinnati, but hopefully they'll be able to bounce back. Okay, Greg, let's talk about your lock of the week from this past week. West Virginia goes into Waco. Like you mentioned, they were I, – I think the line, Greg, I think the you were talking six and a half to eight and a half and then eventually to 12 and a half. I think that line jumped because it came out that Blake Shapin was not going to start for the Baylor Bears. Do, do we now know why? Do do we I think, think it's be- I think we know. I think we know why. And I think that Dave Aranda, while we both think that he should be fired, is returning next year, and maybe this might be why. Because he went with the backup quarterback, Sawyer Robinson, throws nineteen times, but completes seventeen of those nineteen passes for two hundred and fifteen yards and a single touchdown. Now, that's not a honestly that kind of sounds like a Blake Shapin type of game, but <laughs> but he he played really well. Yeah, he he did and he um was in earlier in the year for for Blake Shapin when he was injured and um did not play well. Um really really at all. Um his his season his season stat total still looks pretty rough. He's got double the amount of interceptions as he does touchdowns, 56% completion percentage. So not great, but he's a, he's a young quarterback that still has a lot of, of growing to do. Um, Tanner, the reason why I said maybe we we know why Blake Shapin wasn't starting, I know we're not necessarily getting into um, the portal yet, but our boy Blake Shapin has hopped into the portal um he is no longer a Baylor Bear so that's a uh kind of a tough way to end your your career obviously started off with a lot of high expectations um after winning the conference title a couple of years ago and then kind of just all went downhill from there but uh yes all the speculation that you and I have um been doing basically since week 4 or week 5 uh, about Dave Aranda, it has been confirmed, like you said, that he'll be coming back. So um, never would have thought that if you, if you told me at the beginning of the year, Dave Aranda was more likely to be fired than Neil Brown at West Virginia. I would have thought you were crazy because um, Neil Brown was arguably he probably had the hottest seat of all Big 12 coaches at the beginning of the year and really turned it around for him. So we don't need to to talk uh, just about the negative in, in what are the Baylor Bears, but. Uh, Tanner, West Virginia finishes the year eight and four. Incredible bounce back year. I, this was my, I, I went back, I did not have yours written down, but I went back and I looked at my preseason picks. My biggest whiff of the year. I had them last. I had them last. I'm sorry, yeah, I think, West Virginia. I think I had them, I think I had them at 13th. So we're, we're in the same boat there. Big whiff. But I, West Virginia, they have climbed the rankings in my favorite Big 12 teams, and they're number number two now. So, uh, well, they they messed up two of my locks. So uh, let's just say we're even, West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, the eight wins, you'll certainly take it. You're going to get a, a a pretty good bowl game, um, and that's just good positive momentum that this program honestly has not seen in a, in, in a couple of years. Yeah, definitely. 
ever since really the Will Greer years at West Virginia. That's It's been a while since I've even heard that name. I've even said that name. It's been a long time. All right, Greg. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Farmageddon. Um, this I is... Do, let, me, let me just say, I put Kansas State on upset alert last weekend, and it came out to be true. Now, I think I might have... I still probably would have picked Kansas State if I... I knew that the weather was going to be bad. I didn't realize it was going to be like six inches of snow bad and just snowing the entire game. But let me let me let me make sure I get this right. Abu Sama the third is a manimal. 16 carries for 276 yards and three touchdowns. Holy smokes. In that weather too? That's that's so impressive. I'm starting to think that um, that the white jerseys were like camouflage because they could not seem to tackle Iowa State. Um, what I was going to say when we started this is, well, or when we when we opened this game, uh, this might be my. And now that OU and Texas are leaving, this might be my new favorite rivalry in the Big 12. Farmageddon. I mean, they added what is going to be a game that I don't think either team and and unfortunately for Kansas state, fortunately for Iowa state that either team will ever forget. I mean, you have that amount of snow. I mean, Tanner, we were complaining about the, about the 38, 39 degrees, the rain Kansas state fans had to sit through what was probably 26, 27 degrees in snow. I mean, just a crazy, I mean, really fun to watch on TV. I, I will say that much. I, I love a good snow game. Um, never been to one in person. Don't have any desire to go to one in person. But I love getting to watch it on TV. It, it looks so cool. Yeah, it does. You know what's you know what's shocking? I didn't I didn't even really realize this at the time. I guess, but <laughs> Rocco Beck throws twelve passes. Will Howard throws forty eight passes in all of that snow. That's just that's insane. Um he was only fit, he did only have a 50% completion percentage. Um but man, what a what a game from Iowa State. And it was it was honestly a close game. Kansas State had they had two possessions to go down and score. They were they were inside the red zone and they couldn't convert on their last on their last drive. Um tough tough day for the Wildcats. It's also I don't know. It's kind of tough when you're your fullback, your fullback tight end combo or crossover player is your leading receiver on the day. Ben Sinnott, he had 10 receptions for 136 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's great for him. Happy for him. But I think if you're one of the other Kansas State wide receivers, you're you might be a little upset or frustrated. But you had plenty of opportunities. Will Howard threw it for 40 through 48 times. So you got to make the most of your opportunities, I guess. The best, um, I think the best stat from this game, the most telling stat, Rocco Beck completed eight passes. He averaged 29 yards of completion. Every single one of Iowa State's touchdowns were from 60-plus yards. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> I've never seen that before. That doesn't, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Jalen Noel, three catches, 160 yards, two touchdowns. Jaden Higgins, two catches, 55 yards, one touchdown. And then you already mentioned Abu Sama, the third. Just 
<laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so funny, um, but it, it, it's ridiculous. Um, and then I, I, I do have to mention um, definitely was an interesting side. So Kansas State had a chance to win the game fourth down. Um, Will Howard threw one to the end zone that was if it was a half second earlier, could have been caught. Uh, and then slammed his helmet down in frustration on the sideline. Um, no idea what's going on. May just be personal frustrations. But Tanner, he's now in the portal too, as a grad transfer. So uh, probably the do, the two biggest names, the only ones we'll we'll really even mention is uh, Blake Shapin from Baylor and, and Will Howard from Kansas State. So interest interesting stuff. Uh, makes you think that um uh oh help me Avery Johnson. Um, is is going to be QB one of the future and QB one of uh, bowl season. Yeah. So not only was it Will Howard, but also the Kansas State's third string quarterback also entered the portal as a, as a grad transfer. So mm-hmm. very very interesting. Um, I I agree with you. I think that that leads us all to believe that Avery Johnson will be the next QB one at Kansas State. Well, Greg, we have made it. We have made it to conference championship week. If you would have told me that Oklahoma State was going to be in the conference championship at the end of September, I would have laughed in your face and not believed you at all. But here we are at nine and three versus eleven and one. Number seven Texas versus versus number eighteen Oklahoma State. This is surprising. I'll I'll say it. But before we pick the game. Greg, I want to have a little – we kind of talked about this beforehand, but let's let's talk about it with our listeners here. What – I know you and I don't love Texas, but as a Big 12 podcast, we would like to see another Big 12 team get into the playoff again this year. Um, what will it take for number seven Texas to to get into the top four spots? Well, let me just clarify. I don't know – I don't know how you feel personally. Um, I, I don't care if Texas makes the playoff there for all I, for all intents and purposes, they are now an SEC school in my eyes. Um, this will not reflect well on the big 12, them sending a school to the playoff. And then the next year they're in the SEC. No one's thinking, "Mm, yeah, 10 years from now. Oh yeah. That Texas man. Yeah. The big 12 school that made the playoff. It's no, no one's, no one's going to remember this. No one's go- if Texas makes the playoff, it's going to be about Texas and they'll have been in the SEC for 10 years and, and no one will remember. Oh, yeah, that was the last year they were in the Big 12. We'll how remember. Do think, how do you think Oregon? How do you think fans of, of the Pac-12 feel right about now? Um, I think if there <laughs> even were more, worse. I think if the, I think if there were more of them that cared, they'd have a conference next year. <laughs> um, oh, boy. It, yeah, they have better things to do in California. We've been told. Um. Tanner, <laughs> I think that Texas is in a tough spot. You lose um, a really tough game to OU in October on a last-second drive from Dylan Gabriel and that OU offense, uh, and that has you slotted in at seventh. Any other year, Texas is top four, and, and, and there's no question about it. Um, this has just been a very – strange year this is the first year of the playoff era that we've seen there is going to be a team or two left out that is 
fully deserving. And it's really tough because as a fan of the sport, I want to see them all play. I want to see the 12-team playoff this year. Um, But this is going to be the first year. Remember, TCU last year was undefeated, 12-0, going into the conference title game, ended up losing to Kansas State and still made it comfortably. They were the the three seed. This year, if that were to happen, they would not make the playoffs. Why? See Washington. Washington is undefeated. They have already beaten Oregon this year at home. Um, Washington is ranked third. Oregon is ranked fifth. Whoever wins that game is getting into the playoff. Whoever loses is unfortunately going to be left out. Um, So it's going to really suck if Washington loses that game. Um, But Tanner, uh, to answer your original question, um, Alabama and Georgia are playing um, they are going to probably need Georgia to win that game to uh, secure Alabama getting out. They'll have two losses. Texas will be one of their losses. So that's that's really good for Texas. Um, and then they are going to need uh, a, a Louisville team to upset uh, a, a Jordan Travis less Florida State team. Um, those two things are going to have to happen for them. Otherwise, they may be 12 and one big 12 champions, but they may be on the outside looking in with a, a, a Washington, um, Georgia, Michigan. Help me out. What's the other team that's in there? Um, Ohio state. Possibly. I doubt Ohio state makes it, but um, yeah, no, it, it's good. It's going to be interesting um, what the committee does. Um it, this is a tough year. The 12 team playoff fixes this. We won't have to do this again next year. I'm not, I'm thankful. I don't have to get too worked up about it because in, like I said, in my eyes, there's no big 12 school that's affected by this. So, <laughs> okay. Let me ask you a second question before we, before we pick this game. If this were next year, but these rankings are still the same. Oklahoma state beats Texas in this game. Do they make the 12 team playoff? Well, yes, they would. Yes, because they, the conference champion. It would be, mm-hmm. If you did, if there weren't automatic bids, okay, let's say there's no automatic bids and they just take the top 12 teams. Oh, then no, they would they wouldn't make it. I mean, okay. you have three you have three losses on the year, one of which is to South Alabama. It's I I mean it's it's the full body of work. You're a different team now than you were in September. Yes, that's more true for Oklahoma State than it is almost any team out there. But um, yeah, the, if there were no automatic bids, Oklahoma State would be on the outside looking in still. But good for you know it's a good thing for them because if a situation happens like this in the future, and this goes for any Big Twelve school, it's your your path to the playoff is very simple. You can drop one in the non-conference. You can afford. To schedule, if you're Iowa State, it's not the end of the world if you lose to Iowa. Um, if you're, you know, if if let's say Texas Tech ended up having a really good year um, this year after losing to Oregon, and there was a 12-team playoff, they would be just fine as long as they win their conference championship. So, um, yeah, Tanner, I I say we get into this game um, before we pick it. Give me give me a reason why Texas. Texas wins. Give me a reason why Oklahoma State wins. Texas wins because they are a more well-rounded and balanced team than Oklahoma State is. 
Oklahoma State wins by making this a nasty, dirty, grimy, kind of ugly football game. It, that, the only way Oklahoma State wins is the old saying, uh, working hard beats talent when talent fails to work hard. That's that's that old saying, and that's that's the only way that Oklahoma State wins this game on Saturday. All right. I, I, I certainly like that. I, I agree with you. Um, I, I agree with you 100%. I'll, I'll go next. I'll mix it up a little bit. I think Texas wins this game if um, if Quinn Ewers is slightly above average. He doesn't have to be great. He, he does not need to throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns. Um, he needs to be slightly above average to keep the Oklahoma State defense honest. Uh, Texas wants to run the ball, same as Oklahoma State does, just maybe not with as dynamic of a running back. Uh, but Texas wants to run the ball, and they've done it very well this year. Um, Oklahoma State knows that um, and has been susceptible to the big play. And you have some really explosive wide receivers on the outside. We'll say Xavier Worthy, they're thinking he's going to be able to play, but he got hurt last weekend. Uh, so he's, I believe he's questionable for this game. Um, so I, I will say that, but Texas wins if Quinn Ewers is slightly above average. Oklahoma State wins. I'm I'm sticking with the quarterback theme. Alan Bowman needs to play the, the game of his life. He needs to play really well. Um, Texas defensive line is elite. They have guys that will be playing on Sundays, and Oklahoma State is not going to win this game by handing the ball off to Ollie Gordon and hoping that he makes something out of nothing like he did against BYU. Uh, Alan Bowman's going to have to get, um, he's going to have to be accurate, and 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 they're just going to have to get their wide receivers who are talented in space and give them the opportunity to make plays. Um, and if they can do that, Texas may not. Be, they may make an adjustment not to load the box, and that's when you insert Ollie Gordon and let him do his thing. Yep, I agree with you on both of those points. There, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting game. I th- I think the line actually opened at Texas was favored by uh, eleven and a half was when it originally opened uh, Saturday night after all the games had finished playing, and now it's up to fourteen and a half. This is interesting to me. I personally am going to have Oklahoma State cover the spread. That's it, it might be a wild pick because I see this game either as a like a one or two point Oklahoma State win or uh Texas winning by twenty four. That I I don't really see Texas winning a close game here, mostly because Oklahoma State has played in some just ugly games and Texas has given up leads multiple times throughout the season. So I, I do think that's an interesting dynamic. You, you, you bring up Tanner, the Oklahoma state, the last couple of weeks has had a tendency of starting off really slow, whereas Texas and, and then coming back strong in the second half, whereas Texas throughout the entire year, um, besides the Texas tech game uh, has, started off strong and then given up leads in the second half. Oklahoma state cannot let Texas go up by more than two scores. I agree. 
I was going to say 14. If, so if it becomes a three score game and I'm talking, I'm not talking like 21, 22, 23, I'm talking even a 17 point game. Um, I, I think this is going to be a pretty, pretty tough game for them to come back and win. Uh, and another thing I'll call out uh, the underdog has won the big 12 championship two years in a row now. So if, if Oklahoma state is looking for a slimmer of hope, um, well, you were the team that was the favorite two years ago and, and, and lost to the underdog uh, of which was Baylor. And then last year, everyone kind of just assumed TCU was going to keep their undefeated magical season alive. But Will Howard, Deuce Vaughn of Kansas state had, uh, they had other things to say and they were able to pull off the upset. So hopefully Tanner, we see a really good game. We see a close game. Um, the Big 12 championship, I think, has been known, especially in recent years, to provide some crazy finishes. Obviously, the last two years I mentioned, um, but you can go back to even the year before that with Brock Purdy and Iowa State trying to trying to pull it out against that OU team. They just weren't quite able to. Um, this game has really been one of the better conference championship games of the weekend. Because when you get to these slates, I think rivalry weekend, which was last weekend, is such a good weekend. You have you have Bama and Auburn, you have Ohio State, Michigan, you have uh, uh, Washington, Washington State. You, you have all these really good rivalry games, and then you get into conference championship weekend, and this is when this is when you see the unbalanced formulas of some of the other conferences. You have Michigan playing Iowa in the Big Ten. Michigan's a 28-point favorite. Should be a snooze fest. Michigan should be up by 17 by the end of the first quarter. Um, Oregon and Washington will be a great game, great Pac-12 championship game. That takes place on Friday. So really, if you're looking at, at what games to watch on Saturday, the Big 12 championship game is the only one really worth watching in that 11 a.m. time slot. Um, and then, you know, you'll move on to Georgia and Bam in the afternoon. But in that 11 a.m. time slot, I think the Big 12 just fits in perfectly right there. I I couldn't agree more. All right, Greg, let's go ahead and pick the game. All right, I'll let you go first. I actually haven't even thought about picking it, so I'm going to let you go first. Oh, <laughs> All right, yeah, you had to put me on the spot. Well, uh, Tanner, I, I will not be there. We'll just clarify that. And I had an opportunity to go, and um, – I just I, I just not want to pull the trigger um, this year went two years ago, as I know you did, because um, we we didn't sit next to each other, but we were both there together. Uh, I, I'm really excited for this. I think uh, I will be obviously cheering really, really hard for Oklahoma State, as I think the rest of the Big 12 will be. Um, this is this is this is the hateful eight against Texas. This is America against Texas. No, nobody really wants to see Texas be back except for Texas. Um, the hateful eight, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Baylor, uh, Kansas State, Kansas, Tanner. They are all on Oklahoma State's side for this one. I mean, I mean, this is for this is for the schools that were left for dead by OU in Texas. This is why it was such a big deal that Oklahoma State made this game and and did not uh, blow it last week against BYU to let it be an OU-Texas rematch. Um, so th- th- this is a huge game, um, I, and, and obviously all the players know that. With that being said, um, I, I absolutely, I, I hate to do this, um, and you cannot accuse me of an emotional hedge on this one. I will be picking Texas. 
I think that their defensive line is just going to be slightly too much for Oklahoma State's offensive line. I don't think they'll be able to be as balanced as they want to be on offense. Um, obviously, we saw that last week with Texas Tech. Taj Brooks was able to have some success, not as much as he's had in in, in previous weeks. Uh, and Texas was able to – I don't expect it to be anything like that game. Um, but I do expect Texas to win. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'm sticking with my preseason prediction, I guess. Uh, I, I had Texas winning this game. Had them beating Kansas State, I believe, not Oklahoma State. Um, but I will be picking Texas. Okay, Greg, I think I I don't disagree with anything that you said. This I I try not to drink orange Kool-Aid while we do this podcast. But I I hate Texas. And I'm just going to do it. I'm going to take Oklahoma State. I'll put my reputation on the line. I don't care. Um this is for the other seven schools that were left for dead. And I don't know. I don't. I doubt. I highly doubt that that this that it will be talked about in that way. But I know for Coach Gundy, who is a loves to be an underdog, he is that kind of coach. He just wants to be an underdog. He doesn't want to have the spotlight on him. He just wants to go under the radar and do his own thing and coach from there. And so I'm going to go with Oklahoma State on this one. I think that while Texas's defense, more specifically their defensive line, is probably the best defensive line in the country, even over some of the SEC defensive lines. I think that the Oklahoma State Cowboy offensive line is going to have – they're going to pull a game out of nowhere, and they're going to grit their teeth, and they're going to go to work, and Ollie's going to have himself a day. And that is going to leave Oklahoma State – Winning by a field goal. You heard it here first. Hey, I I love it. I respect it. And let's just let's just get this straight. If Texas wins this game, they're allowed to celebrate. They can be happy about winning the Big 12 championship. They can be happy about the the potential the the outlook of their of their university, their school, their program going forward, especially in the SEC. They're, they're allowed to be happy about that. Do not let any Texas fan fool you into thinking that they were the kings of the Big 12. They were OU's little brother. They may have they may have pulled in, they may have gotten the money, they have, they may have dragged OU with them to the SEC, but if we're talking about pure on-field success, Tanner, Texas has not won a Big 12 championship game or Big 12 championships since 2009. We were in elementary school. The Dominican <laughs> Sioux was playing for Nebraska, and that's the team that they beat in the conference championship game. And Nebraska was still in the Big 12. That tells you how long ago this was. Colt McCoy was the quarterback for Texas. That was the year that they lost to Alabama in the national championship game. Texas has not done crap in this conference in 15 years. It is a, I don't want to say a, a, a coincidence but it is just good timing on their part that they have hired the right coach and it took him a couple this is his third season it's taken him a couple of years but he's got things rolling he's got things clicking right as they're on their way out the door but if they win this championship don't let them convince you oh you won more big they have 
they won more Big 12 championship games the last 15 years than Texas got top top half finishes in the conference. Like it's they they, they haven't been any good. Um, they just happen to be a a <laughs> they happen to be really good this year. <laughs> yep, yep, I agree with you. I just had to All get right. that. I just had to get that off my chest. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you have that as the last word. So everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, please follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and X at around the underscore 12. We are so excited for this Dr. Pepper Big 12 championship game. It's going to be a fantastic game. And I'm excited to see who gets to hoist that cho- trophy. And I think it's going to be Oklahoma State. All right, everybody. I hope so. <laughs> Me too. All right. Thank you. We thank you. We love you. Goodbye. <laughs>